Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Terra Incognita, the adventure podcast, and our latest dispatch with Aldo Kane. We released a feature with Aldo a week ago, and thanks to everybody that has listened to it and been in touch, it's had an amazing response and it's been one of the most popular episodes so far. If you haven't heard that feature yet, I'd recommend listening to it before you hear this dispatch, but if you just fancy a quick hit, then I'll give you a little bit of info about Aldo. Aldo's an ex-Royal Marine Commando sniper who now does safety and security work on expeditions for TV and film all over the world. In the main feature, we talked about his time in the military, as well as abseiling into volcanoes in the Congo. But this dispatch is about Aldo's time in West Africa during the Ebola crisis. I'll leave Aldo to explain why he was there himself, but it's just worth saying that this particular dispatch isn't especially cheery. But as Aldo mentions, uh, witnessing these events and places can make a huge difference to our perceptions and our worldview. So here it is, a few minutes with Aldo Kane. So in 2014, I worked with a woman called Janet in Slovakia, um, and she's a producer, director, filmmaker in New York, and she'd asked me if I would like to help her, um, from a a safety point of view, um, make, uh, help her make a film about, uh, at the time it was about Ebola, and in the past, so it was about how viruses change and mutate and where they come from and and so it was basically um you know an epidemiologist sort of sum up of where the world was at with emerging viruses and um i thought yep no problem it's you know it's a film about they want me to go to the congo with with them and look after them from a safety point of view safety medic close protection bodyguard type stuff in the capacity of making a film which i was like yeah fine um we went there and we did two or three weeks filming learning everything about the ebola virus which is absolutely fascinating and so we we spent three weeks in in congo in kinshasa up in the top in um a place called boomba um and then up to where the first ever ebola outbreak was in 1976 next to or near to the river Ebola, I believe that which is where the virus gets its name from. And so we were working with um, Dr. Peter Piot, who's, who's one of the co-founders of the virus in Zaire then, but DRC, um, in 1976. So we took him back to sort of show us, you know, all the places that he went to. And we went to the village, uh, which the name is Yambuku, which is where the first outbreak was. Um, and we met the only survivor and, and sort of went through this whole process about making this film in past tense about Ebola. When we got back, I got back to the UK and they went back to, to the States. Um, it then transpires that 
the 2014 Ebola virus was then suddenly breaking out and it was in Sierra Leone and uh, Guinea and Liberia. And so Janet then phones me up when this is hitting our headlines. It's like new outbreak of Ebola. It's wiped out X amount of 100 people. Janet then phoned up and said, do you want to go to Sierra Leone and, and Liberia where, where the Ebola virus is? We want to go and film there. And this is, so it's out with, the normal realms of like we're talking about adventure but it has the same similar sort of setup it's what looks so the perception of it is completely crazy you know to go there the, listening to the propaganda that the british and american press were pushing about ebola did not help anyone in that those countries um scaremongering and the governments here scaremongering so um, Janet asked me if I wanted to go and I said yes after careful consideration and, and making my own mind up about what my uh, sort of appetite for risk was and actually when you read about it instead of listening to the, the media propaganda and you read about it you know it's it's a hemorrhagic fever that's passed on by bodily contact bodily fluids and so in theory, if you follow all the rules that are set out, don't touch anyone, don't swap bodily fluids with someone, then you shouldn't get it. The virus doesn't live for a long time out in the sun, like if there's blood. And obviously this is way out of my comfort zone. It's, it's a hidden killer. You can't see it and it's very difficult to, you know, I've fought, when you fight a war and you fight an enemy, you can see them, you can see what you're fighting or you climb a big wall or you, you're doing an expedition, you know what, the goal is and you know what you're sort of dealing with with a virus with a killer virus like ebola you don't you can't see it as invisible um but there's a lot written about it and we know quite a lot about it at that point so i did a lot of reading over a day or two then phoned janet back and said yeah i'll come out and um, i'll help you i ended up being um on the ground basically location producing for them and doing the safety and making sure that they were all um, that they were all, I guess, safe as safe could be on the ground. And actually what you find is, is that everyone's perception and the media perception of a situation is not what the reality is. And the reality is, is when you, when I got to Liberia in uh, Monrovia, uh, the capital of Liberia, there are people going around about their daily business. You know, the businesses are still open. Lots of things have changed. You know, there's no hand touching and in West Africa, Hand slaps and clicks are, are the way that people interact with people. And to stop that is is like stopping us shaking hands when you meet someone new for the first time. So there's a lot of cultural things that they had to stop um, to stop the spread of the virus. A lot of Western propaganda and religious propaganda that was being played around the radios in Sierra Leone and Liberia was basically saying that the Ebola virus had been started deliberately to, to wipe them out in these countries and you know it started sort of by america potentially there was a lot of rumors and people were scared people were dying and they had no resources to deal with it um so i said yeah i'll go out went out there I've spent two months janet and i and the the film crew two other guys basically we spent two and a half months there i spent a month there on my own so doing the reckeys, meeting the people and, and sort of uh, working out what the stories were and, and sort of producing them up and sending them back to Janet. And she then comes up with the stories and bits and bobs that she wants to, to deal with. And 
it revolved around the Ebola treatment centres, which were understaffed, under-resourced, and the doctors that were working there were all dying. Um, you know, most of the people that we filmed with at some point, um, probably, I think a lot of the people did die that we're filming with, and quite a lot of the, the, the situations that we were in, there was basically people dying all over. I'm sort of rambling along, but in that two months, we filmed everything from people being burned, cremated when they were dead, 50, 60 at a time, which is not in their sort of cultural, religious beliefs there. They, they bury people, but there's just not enough ground there to bury people. And also you can't safely bury someone that has Ebola because the virus still lives on and spreads. And so it's pretty brutal, but actually what was interesting was... Um, was this whole perception thing and what the media portray and what we take for granted in the UK as they've said it on the news and that's that's the real issue here. Um, and it certainly wasn't uh, the case. I mean, it's very dangerous. I thought I had Ebola at one point where I was refused entry into two Ebola treatment centres where they take your temperature. I had a raised temperature. Um, I then... So I wasn't allowed in. I then got back to my hotel. I had severe, severe diarrhoea basically completely covered myself in diarrhea and sick. And we'd been there filming for six weeks. We'd been in and out of Ebola treatment centers every single day. And so it was not in the back of my head. It was basically foremost thought in my head was I'm dying of Ebola. Um, I took uh, some Ciprofloxin, Cipro tablets because I thought, you know, I've got the med bag there. It could be food poisoning. It could be something else could be malaria. I had that luxury while I was there of, of the med bag. If if I was one of the people that just lived in Monrovia, Sierra Leone, Freetown, and I had malaria, and I had those signs and symptoms, I would have been put in an Ebola treatment centre, and I would have then been treated for Ebola, but I would have been in the same centre as people that did have Ebola. So the likelihood is I would have then contracted the virus and died from it. Um, so I self-medicated, thinking... I'll give myself 24 hours, take that. And, and ultimately, basically, I had some sort of horrible food poisoning, um, which completely floored me, but food poisoning or, or virus, whatever it was, um, which was then nailed by the by the CIPRO, whatever it was. I felt fine the next day. And, and um, we, we had all these protocols in place. What would happen if one of our team then got stuck or, or sort of had Ebola and how we'd then evacuate them out of, out of the country? But... Um, you know, it was pretty terrifying to see, and it feels like the only reason the rest of the the world cared is because it then, with with modern transport and flights, that virus, like in nineteen seventy six, when the Ebola virus, uh, when it first was found, it, it wiped out a village, but people were walking on foot, so it doesn't go that far. Now in West Africa, you can be out of out of Kinshasa or out of Brazzaville or wherever. And uh, you know, and then be in London, eight or twelve hours later, or America, and that's what scared everyone to to sort of get everyone ready and muster all the NGOs and muster all the uh, the support and aid to go down there. And it was purely down to travel and how quickly that virus is changing and and um, and then being passed on. Um, so I guess in that time, we there's a lot of amazing people down there, doctors, surgeons all the NGO workers, uh, uh, all the virologists, uh, so many people there. And I say, we're making a film and my background isn't 
anything to do with viruses. Um, but it was so interesting to see that firsthand and, and based on what we were being told it was like there and what the actual reality of it was like there. Um, but sad to see, I mean, thousands of people lost their lives there and we filmed pretty much all of it from people contracting it to complete families dying and then into, um, I guess, all the way through to the end procedure where they're either burying them in some places or, or cremating them in other places. Um, so it is, it is pretty terrifying as well when you can't see what you're dealing with. That's, that's I guess, pretty terrifying. And if, I suppose to go back to what I do as a job, you know, I say adventure, but that, I, I don't mean that across the board as, you know, for me, it was all it was all about we go down there and I'm doing a job and seeing another part of the world and, and trying to make a difference, trying to help. Um, but it's the same as when I do like the narcos job or, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be an expedition. For me, it's more about, like, for example, the narcos, you know, it's edgy, it's scary, it's terrifying. And that's, you know, potentially why I would have taken that job on in the first place. Um, and that might also be why I took the Ebola job on in the first place. But I like to make my own mind up about what is and isn't risky as opposed to taking someone else's word for it. And actually, the film crew, we were out there for two and a half months um, filming in high-risk situations um, and nobody contracted the virus and no one died. That's not what the media would have you believe about what was going on down there. Thanks for listening. For more information on Aldo, check out the show notes at theadventurepodcast.co.uk. This podcast is produced in association with Sidetrack magazine, and you can hear more amazing stories at sidetrack.com. The Adventure Podcast is hosted by Matt Pycroft and produced by Pip Saunders and Tom Cargriffin. If you enjoy the podcast, then it would be really helpful if you could leave us a review on iTunes, or do any of the normal social media stuff that we all love to hate to do. Or best of all, you can get in touch to tell us what you think at info at theadventurepodcast.co.uk.